don't know what to do. What do you mean? Like, what do we say? I don't know. Introduce yourself. You introduce yourself. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast, True Crimes and Story Times. I'm Kirsten. I'm Michelle. And today I'm bringing you another true crime episode. Last one. Last one. And I will let you guys know next week there will be no new episodes. We are taking the week off. And then we will be back the following week. I will be doing story time and Michelle will be doing true crime. Yep. So just so you know. No episodes next week, but be on the lookout after that. All right. So today, we are going to talk about Herbert Mullen. Okay. Do you know who, who Herbert Mullen is? Um, I think I've heard the name, but... Well, I did mention him in my Edmund Kemper episodes mm-hmm. because he, Herbert Mullen, was also a serial killer in the 1970s in Santa Cruz, California. At the exact same time as Edmund Kemper. Which is crazy. Yeah. So there was two serial... Serial? (laughs) Whoa. There was two serial killers in the same area at the exact same time. Crazy. So it was hard for police to figure out who did what, but they got it figured out and we're going to talk about it. All right. Let's get it. So Herbert William Mullen was born on April 18th, 1947 in Salinas, California. He was the son of a World War II veteran. His father was said to be stern, but not to the point of abusive. So just like extra hard on him. Mm -hmm. His father worked as a furniture salesman. And he taught Herbert how to use a gun and would tell him war stories. So Herbert was familiar with a gun from the get-go. Jeez. From his father. While also telling him the war stories. Mm -hmm. How old was he? (laughs) You know, probably just like his whole childhood, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. Herbert was a very bright and sensitive person and was involved in sports in school. He had many friends, a girlfriend. He played football. Hmm. He was voted most likely to succeed in high school. Football. That's or, how you said that. Football. <laughs> Did you, were you voted anything in school? Like your su- no. superlatives? No. Um, my little brother was actually voted most likely to succeed. Really? Graduating middle school. Nice. Just like a few days ago. Nice. And he got four out of six awards for like highest achievement. Aw. He's really smart. He's very book smart. Good. I'm just like, I can be book smart if I want to. Mm-hmm. I just choose not to. Mm-hmm. I was book you smart know? in school. Yes, but you were. I'm not like I'm just more, smart like, or like... I lack common sense sometimes. I'm just more of like a free spirit, mm-hmm. you know? So I'm just like, eh, whatever. Whatever. <laughs> My brother was like, I gotta do the highest achievements. Do all of the extra credit. Yeah, basically. The best of the best. So after Herbert graduated in 1965, he went to college and studied engineering and considered following in his father's footsteps by joining the military. The summer after he graduated high school, his friend, Dean Richardson, was killed in a car accident. 
R.I.P. Soon after his death, Herbert built a shrine to his late friend in his bedroom and began to obsess about reincarnation and religion and natural disasters. I'm sorry, Kirsten, but if you died in a car accident, I'm definitely not making <laughs> a shrine no, for you in my bedroom. No, I would not I'm sorry. Like, I just wouldn't. I mean, I'd be really I'd sad. visit your grave and all that, but... I don't, honestly, I don't even know if I would go that far. I don't even visit, like, family members' graves, to Me be honest, either. because it's, like, that's just a once what, like, what they once were, Yeah, is what I was trying to say. In, in my opinion, it's kind of awkward, it, like, for me. Mm. Like, when you go visit somebody's grave, I'm like, okay, The only you. family members I really visit are just, like, my aunt, my two grandpas, mm-hmm. and that's pretty much it i visit my cousin mm-hmm. who passed away when he was a baby and my two great-grandparents well oh, and that was my really great-grandpa it. and i need to go visit my two grandpas that passed away last year but i just haven't gone around to it yet you know mm-hmm. but like my aunt and my grandpa there's pictures of them on their gravestones so mm. that's another reason i kind of go visit to see their picture you know yeah so his friend's death that was like the downfall for him Mm -hmm. before he was like really good in school and stuff good kid yeah this is going to be like a huge turn of events yeah well i mean losing someone that you really love and care about is really hard yeah you can kind of go two separate ways like you can go down this really dark path and like be really depressed about it and like not take care of yourself and kind of like be this way or you can kind of like try to take it in a different direction as like motivation like i want to make them proud i want to show them what i could achieve yes you know so after his friend's death he changed his major from engineering to philosophy and took up independent studies of eastern religions Hmm. in 1968 herbert broke up with his girlfriend after he told her he might be gay might be Hmm. i mean struggling with his sexuality yeah. i mean and it wasn't a huge thing yeah back in that time so right that was kind of bold of him to tell her that too right yeah the next year he had his family commit him to the mendocino state hospital after he left shortly after that so he was only there for a little bit gotcha i worded that weird mm-hmm. he was only in the hospital for a right short, a short amount of time i don't know if i pronounced it right either Mendocino? It looks like it. Okay. So, he spent the following years after he did his time in the state hospital Mm. drifting in California, working small-time jobs and spending short periods of time in different mental health institutions. That sucks. He was really doing bad. Herbert briefly did boxing, but had to be forcefully removed from the ring because he wouldn't stop beating his opponent. Yeah, that's a little bit of overkill. Yeah. It, usually the ref comes in and he's like, bro, stop. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. Drugs became a large part of his life, and his deteriorating mental state was coaxed along by huge doses of acid. He was, like, constantly tripping. Not a good idea. Yeah, I know. You should not be doing acid that much. Didn't Especially you? at this stage in your life didn't you do a story time where someone was like doing acid like i don't remember 
all day every day oh it was yeah that one guy i think he was actually doing dmt though dmt and acid are two different things like dmt like it lasts like five minutes okay but it feels like you're in it for a lifetime you also like can see like deities and like Mm -hmm. um gods and things like that and you're like in a totally different world acid is like you're still in the same room like you know where you are Mm, that's okay okay dmt is like a whole nother world but yeah he was constantly doing dmt but still like doing you should not abuse psychedelics whatsoever period okay like him doing huge doses of acid all the time is, is not good for your mental health at all it can literally detach you from reality mm-hmm. and that's probably what it did to him well it sounds like it because once you hear what he did you, you, that's probably why um his behavior started to frighten his family and he was diagnosed with schizophrenia and institutionalized on and off throughout the rest of his life it can also do that it can trigger schizophrenia so if you're doing it like that all the time Mm -hmm. yeah nothing nothing seemed to help him no matter how many times he went to institutions nothing helped him Mm -hmm. none of the drugs were helping him Mm -hmm. the acid wasn't helping him which is crazy well because he was doing it all the time but they do have trials that um people have done mdma mdma or acid and it cures their anxiety, depression, PTSD. Like, they're doing like trials all over the place, yeah. Wow. Like, they don't have it anymore at all. Wow. Yeah. Not just, like, temporarily takes it away. But yeah, like it takes good, it away good. for good. Like, yeah, <laughs> it's just... Interesting. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. Okay. I mean, if you guys want to look it up, um, like, you can look up different acid trials, MDMA trials that they're doing. Hmm. And it shows, like, success rates and stuff. There's actually another... So, there is a podcast episode um, on Joe Rogan if you guys listen to that and he interviews with a guy i believe that is like really uh knowledgeable and all this stuff i think he might be a scientist or a doctor or something and he knows a lot about these trials or he was involved in them i can't really remember um but there is a podcast episode on that and if i find it um i will give kirsten the link so she can put it in the show notes because it is actually a really good podcast episode i'll have to listen to it for sure it's really good Mm -hmm. i mean he's really really smart into this and um people use mushrooms as well sometimes but nice yeah so herbert started complaining about hearing voices and adopted many different personas that comes with the schizophrenia yeah i mean different types of schizophrenia can do different things to you he practiced different kinds of alternative lifestyle activities, such as yoga, meditation, and microbiotic diets. Attempted to join a priesthood. He believed in the legalization of LSD and marijuana, and used both drugs as well as amphetamine. Okay. In court. Sorry. I was going to say also, um, in the 1960s and this time... I think I actually said this in the Edmund Kemper episode that schizophrenia was a huge umbrella term for many different yeah. things. Mm-hmm. So he literally could have had like, um, I think it was called multiple personality disorder, but I think it's called something else now. I think they um, changed it. Um, I know what you're talking about, but yeah, I can't think but of it. Yeah, but a lot of that stuff yeah. was under that schizophrenia umbrella. Like borderline personality disorder? No, that's something totally different. Oh. Yeah, there's, there's so many different kinds, but a lot of it was under the umbrella of mm-hmm. schizophrenia, so. It seems like, at least in the cases that we've been doing, mm-hmm. a lot of these people are diagnosed with schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. And it could have been something that's just totally under that different. huge, it yeah. was just like a very, like, 
broad term. Yes, that's mm-hmm. what I wanted to say. Um, in court, like later on, mm-hmm. he said that he was by everything. Bisexual, bipolitical, bicultural, and bispiritual. Hey, bro. Do what you gotta do. You do you, friend. Not friend. You're not yeah, friend. you're not our friend. Don't say that. <laughs> he also he also falsely acclaimed to be biracial. Acclaimed. Acclaimed. <laughs> I know. My brain's not with it It's today. okay. Um, falsely claimed to be biracial. That is not okay. No. But he's by everything, so whatever. Um... These personas didn't last long because he always searched for the newest road to peace of mind. Hmm. So he was always trying new things to try and, I guess, make himself better. Well, that's okay. I mean, he can do that as trying long as he's not hurting what, anybody. Trying to figure out what works for him. Yeah. He's not I mean, hurting anybody yet. Yeah. Everybody's going to find different ways to cope, you know? Yeah. Over time, Herbert began suffering from schizophrenic delusions hearing his father's voice telling him to kill and to harm himself by burning his body with cigarettes. So now it's starting to get into the little, yeah. little psycho side. Yeah. He believed that enough people died during the Vietnam War to stall earthquakes. See, and this is what happens when mental health goes un- untreated. Yeah. Like schizophrenia. Like So now it's getting... It's... It, he's just making weird connections. Yeah. A lot of it seems to be evol- revolving around his mental health. Though. Right. But he thought that these deaths were like blood sacrifices. Mm. So like they're blood sacrificing to prevent these earthquakes from happening. I don't think that's how the earth works, buddy. I don't think so. But the war was starting to wind down in mm-hmm. the late night in late nineteen seventy two. So, he thought that he needed to start killing people in order to have enough deaths to keep the earthquake away. And he lives in California. He lives in California. There's a lot of earthquakes. <laughs> yeah. This was the reason he believed his father would talk to him telepathically and order him to kill people. Because he thought that his father was telling him that if he killed all these people, it would stop the earthquakes from happening. Gotcha. So, on October 13th, 1972, Herbert snapped and okay. beat a homeless hitchhiker to death with a baseball bat. Oh. Um, I am going to go ahead and put a trigger warning, not necessarily for this murder, but for the future ones that I'm going to talk about in this episode, because some of them are pretty graphic. Okay. And just insane. Take so, me with you guys. Take <laughs> me with you. She says that every episode. <laughs> because I just... I love true crime. It's just don't get me wrong. Very but gory it's sometimes. Like, sometimes the shit just makes me so sick to mm-hmm. my stomach. I literally just want to vomit because mm-hmm. it's like, oh my god, the things that these people went through are unimaginable. Like I literally yeah. can't even fathom it at all. Literally. So this homeless man that mm-hmm. he beat was fifty-five-year-old Lawrence White or Whitey. He was called Whitey. Odd name, but yeah. Okay. So, Herbert pretended to have car trouble and had pulled to the side of the road when Whitey came to help him look at it. Okay. He offered to help him fix his car in exchange for a ride. That is such, like, a 1970s name. Whitey. Whitey. (laughs) So, um, he offered to help him fix his car. Right. In exchange for a ride. Okay. Herbert then hit Whitey in the head 
with the bat when he was looking at the engine of his 1958 Chevy station wagon. Don't do that to the station wagons. Come on. Um, he dragged Whitey's body into the woods and left it there, and it was found the next day. So all he did was beat him with the bat and leave him. That's it. Weird. I mean, I don't want to say that's it, because, like, he died. No, I mean, he died. Yeah, it's it's bad. But but there was nothing else. It just seems like serial killers usually like do we talked about with um edmund kemper Mm -hmm. he went into extensive detail yeah um herbert later claimed that he thought whitey looked like jonah from the bible and that he sent him a telepathic message whitey did sent a message to herbert okay saying hey man pick me up and throw me over the boat kill me so that others will be saved what all right what mental health is a crazy thing bro oh my goodness so less than two weeks later herbert killed his next victim 24 year old mary margaret guilfoyle Mm -hmm. after his father telepathically told him to kill his second victim as a sacrifice where's his father is his father like dead or i think at this point his father had passed away yes Okay, I was just curious, like, is he coming from the grave telepathically yeah, telling think, him this, yeah, or does he so. just live somewhere, like, what? I think his father had passed away. Okay. So, this was also to test his hypothesis that the environment was being rapidly polluted, and an earthquake was close to happening. Okay. Mary was also a hitchhiker that he picked up on a highway. He stabbed her through the chest while he was driving. After he stabbed her, he pulled over to proceed to cut her chest open and examine her organs to see if they were polluted, like he thought of his hypothesis. Polluted. I don't know what he meant by that, but okay. So then he took her organs and draped them on nearby branches so he could better examine them. Her skeletonized, skeletonized, sorry, body wasn't found for several months. Good God, dude. That's nuts. Yeah. That is. That is. That's. In. No wonder the police were confused about all the murders. Well. Dude, as, by if, the time they found her organs, if her skeletonized body was found, those organs are probably all dried and gone, shriveled yeah. up and like. <laughs> They're probably like. I don't even know if they're there anymore. Yeah. Yeah. But you will see, with most serial killers, they have a routine. Well, yeah. Of how they murder people. Mm -hmm. And a different, like, like, a certain criteria that they have to meet. Right. So, like, if you guys listen to the episodes on Edmund Kemper, he picked up college students and killed them and dismembered their bodies and decapitated them and everything else. It was pretty much the same... With every murder. He had the same motive every yes. time. With Herbert Mullen, you will find out that he didn't have any kind of routine. Hmm. All so it was just of kind his of manic. victims were different. Yes. So, like, the first person he killed, it mm-hmm. was a hitch- hitchhiker. Right. He beat him with a bat. The second person... Oh, I thought he was homeless. Yes. Homeless hitchhiker. Homeless hitchhiker, yes. Beat him with a bat, left him on the side of the road in the woods. This second person that he killed was also a hitchhiker Mm -hmm. but he stabbed her 
and cut her body open and took out her took organs, out all evidently. Her organs. So it's gotten way progressively worse. So now we're going to get into his next victim. Okay. On November 2nd, 1972, Herbert started to doubt the things his quote-unquote father was telling him. So he went to see a Catholic priest in a confessional booth at St. Mary's Catholic Church in Los Gatos. Do you see how I spell Catholic? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot the O. <laughs> I see that. Catholic. Catholic. Not Catholic. Uh, he said that the priest he had met with at the confessional booth, who was Father Henry Tommy, volunteered to be his next sacrifice. Is that true? Is that true, or is he just thinking this in his head? Because I apparently apparently was telepathic. I don't know. Hmm. You know, that's his thing now. So he opened the confessional box where Father Henry was sitting, and hit, kicked, and stabbed him. Where are the nuns? It's. I don't think they're allowed to be around. Oh. Okay. I don't think they're allowed to be in earshot. Gotcha. Because it's supposed to be like. A confessional booth yes. just for them. So after he hit, kicked, and stabbed him, he left him there to bleed to death in the booth as he ran away. But a parishioner, which I think is the people that like, like you said, nuns, mm-hmm. I think they like kind of guard Yeah. the place where the booth is. So um, they're like, no, you can't come in here right now. Right. Mm-hmm. Um... He watched Herbert run away and then ran to help Father Henry. Gotcha. His description was a tall and thin man. Nice. Yes, that's what he told the police. And you can imagine that didn't help very much. Honestly, um, people that, like, when the police question them and they're, I can't think of what they're called. I want to say a bystander, but it's not a bystander. Oh, a um, witness. Yeah, when... They question a witness. Their brain isn't very trustworthy. Herbert decided to try and join the Marines around January of 1973. So he could conduct his mission legally. So he was trying to figure out a legal way to kill people. Yeah. But he refused to sign a copy of his criminal record that had many reports of strange behavior and the Marines withdrew their offer. So if he would have signed it, he would have probably gotten in. Know if he would have because he said he refused to sign the copy, and then the Marines withdrew their offer because he wouldn't sign the copy of the. Well, I think if he signed it and they looked at his records, they probably wouldn't have accepted him. Well, they probably already looked at his records, though, right? I don't know. If he was at that point where he's signing papers, mm. they were probably like, oh, maybe whatever. But then he's like, I'm not signing that, and they're like. Okay, that's even that's more weird. That's yeah. Yeah. So, he believed that if he would have been accepted into the Marine Corps, he would have never became a serial killer. Wow, that's crazy. But that's probably because he would have been able to kill people legally. Yeah. So, still a serial killer in a sense, mm-hmm. but doing it legally. I don't, I'm not saying that Marine Corps people are serial killers, but yeah. him, giving him circumstances. Yeah, I feel like... I don't know, I feel like even if he was in the Marine Corps and he was killing people, like, he was getting some type of 
enjoyment or like relief from his mental health for mm-hmm. like a sp- brief while you right, know what i mean yeah. like i feel like it still would have excelled into something else mm-hmm. yeah but he would have been trained as a marine instead it probably would have made it worse right because he would have been a little bit more skilled you know mm-hmm. what i mean mm-hmm. um around the same time that he was trying to get into the marines mm-hmm. he stopped using drugs and blamed them for his problems okay well i mean drugs are a problem but i mean maybe it was his problem well i'm sure the drugs didn't help his mental health right maybe the combination of the two is what did it yeah but it didn't cure anything because also around the same time Mm -hmm. in early january of 1973 Herbert drove to a remote area of cabins where he thought a former teammate might have lived. Okay. This teammate had been the first person to give him marijuana to smoke. Devil's lettuce. He knocked on the door and a woman, her name was Kathy Francis, Mm -hmm. answered. She said the man he was looking for was down the road. According to Herbert, she also volunteered herself and her two kids, David, who was nine, and Damon, who was four, to be blood sacrifices. I highly doubt that. Highly doubt it. But he shot them all with the pistol and then went to where Kathy said his teammate would be. So he was like, okay, thanks, shot them all, and left. For no reason. So now he's shooting people. First Jeez. it was a bat, then it wasn't stabbing him. And then taking and out their organs. Now it's shooting him. So he knocked on the door where mm-hmm. she said his friend would be. And his he answered. Mm-hmm. The guy he was looking for, he answered. Herbert asked him why he had ruined his life by giving him the marijuana. But the man was unable to answer, so Herbert shot him. A stupid reason to kill somebody, but okay. The man... Also, you shouldn't be killing people regardless. No. Under any circumstance. The man, his name was Jim G- Giannera, mm-hmm. was not dead after he shot him. So he crawled to his bathroom and attempted to tell his wife, Joan, to lock the door. But Herbert broke down the door and fatally shot her as well. When the police found the bodies, they thought the murders in these two houses were drug-related and didn't think they were connected to the priest's death or the murders of the hitchhikers. But, like, the lady Kathy and her kids, like, how is that drug-related? Don't know. I think the I cops just if... did not want to do their job because it's California in yeah. the 70s. Yeah. So, a month later, on February 10th, 1973... Herbert was hiking in the Santa Cruz State Park where he came across four teenage boys that were camping there illegally. Mm -hmm. These boys were 18-year-old Robert Spector, 19-year-old Brian Scott Card, 18-year-old David Oliker, and 15-year-old Mark, and I don't know how to pronounce their last name, but it looks like it says Drebelbis. Okay. He walked over to them and started talking to them. He told them that he was a park ranger and 
told them to leave because they were polluting the forest. However, they just kind of shoot him away and stayed there. So if they had left, they may not they have died. Yeah, they wouldn't have died. The next day, Herbert came back and shot all four of them in their heads with a twenty-two caliber rifle. After he shot them all and they were all dead, he stole their twenty-two caliber rifle that they had and twenty dollars. Wow, then, what a bargain. Yeah, a gun and twenty dollars. The next killing happened before the teenage boys were even found. Oh, I'm sure, because they were camping there illegally. Nobody yeah. Nobody was like... So nobody... Knew they were there. Right. Later that week, after shooting the boys in the state park, Herbert was driving and noticed Fred Abby Perez, a 72-year-old retired prize fighter and fishmonger, while he was working in his garden. When Herbert saw him... He did a U-turn in the road and came back down the street and stopped in front of Fred's house. Herbert got out of his car and put the rifle across the hood of his car and shot Fred in the heart and drove off. For what? Who knows? He did this right in front of Fred's neighbor. Wow. So, somebody his neighbor saw. So, he's slipping up and becoming sloppy at this point. Yeah. Because he just wants to kill more people. Well, if he doesn't kill more people, according to him... There'll be an earthquake. Mm-hmm. Um, so his pl- or his neighbor saw everything that happened and called the police and gave them Herbert's license plate number. Okay. His description was broadcast all over the radio. And then he was pulled over and arrested by a patrolman. So, in his car was the twenty-two caliber pistol he used to kill the people in the two cabins mm-hmm. and the twenty-two caliber rifle. Okay. There were multiple factors that made it hard for investigators to link any of the murders. First, none of the murders appeared to be connected by a similar weapon or MO. Okay. Second, the victims were all very different in terms of age, race, and sex. Finally, as I mentioned earlier, Edmund Kemper was operating in the same place at the same time and had just killed the last of his victims just a few weeks earlier, so they couldn't tell who killed who at that point. Okay. Although Kemper had a routine, and it seemed like Herbert did not, because his were more random. Right. The Santa Cruz District Attorney's Office charged Mullen with 10 murders. Wow. His trial opened on July 30th, 1973. Herbert admitted to all the crimes, so the trial focused on whether or not he was legally sane. Okay. Under U.S. law, declaring him sane would mean that he understood the nature and quality of his actions and understands right from wrong. Gotcha. He did cover his tracks in some cases and showed premeditation. So, this was pointed out by the prosecutor, Chris Cottle, but the defense attorney, Jim Jackson, argued that Herbert's delusions made him kill. On August 19, 1973, after 14 hours of deliberation, Herbert Mullen was found guilty of first-degree murder in the killings of Jim and Kathy, or sorry, Jim, Janira, and Kathy Francis. 
These were the murders that they deemed premeditated. Okay. He also was charged on eight counts of second-degree murder in the other killings. These were considered impulse murders. Mullen was charged with the ten murders at the age of 26. Wow, that's crazy. The Santa Cruz, sorry, Santa Clara County District Attorney's Office, that's a mouthful. Yeah, it is. Charged Herbert for the murder of Henry Tommy. Okay. His trial for this murder began on December 11th, 1973. He originally pled not guilty by reason of insanity to first-degree murder, but then pled guilty to second-degree murder. Okay. Herbert was sentenced to life imprisonment in the Santa Cruz County trial and has been denied parole eight times since 1980. Which is probably for the best. Yes. He is currently incarcerated at Mule Creek State Prison in Lone... Or, no, that says Ione. That's capital I, not an L. Yep. (laughs) In Ione, California. Herbert stated in custody that he committed his crimes only in an attempt to save the environment. That is not a good argument. That's Sorry, not, buddy. No, that's, no one's going to believe that. <laughs> Sorry. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia, schizophrenic reaction slash paranoia. So, like, I don't know what the difference is. What, I don't know what schizophrenic reaction is. Maybe it's more of an impulsive schizophrenia, Mm -hmm. and the paranoia one is just me. Because he was already previously diagnosed with schizophrenia. Right. Um, But he was also diagnosed with paranoia Mm -hmm. by Dr. David Marlowe from the University of California at Santa Cruz. Okay. As we already know, he had interactions with Edmund Kemper while he was in prison, and they even shared adjoining cells at one point. Which is crazy. That is insane that two serial killers are even allowed to be in the same prison. Mm -hmm. Well, I mean, I guess it'd be impossible, but... In the same cell block. Well, I meant, like, in the same, like, yeah. I didn't... In the same prison, sure. In the same, like, like, cell. where they could talk to each other. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, Kemper actually disliked Herbert Mullen because he thought he was killing people for no reason. Um, so I did put this quote in my edmund kemper episodes but i will read it again this is from kemper he said quote well herbert had a habit of singing and bothering people when somebody tried to watch tv so i threw water on him to shut up shut him up then when he was a good boy i'd give him some peanuts herbie liked peanuts that was effective because pretty soon he asked permission to sing that's called behavior modification treatment Kemper described Herbert as having, quote, a lot of pain inside, he had a lot of anguish inside, he had a lot of hate inside, and it was addressed to people he didn't even know because he didn't dare do anything to the people he knew. Okay, Edmund, because you literally didn't do anything to the people that you knew, and then he, like, he killed his grandparents right off the bat, right? Right, yeah. But, like, his mom, it took him a while to even do anything to her, so... Keep talking shit there, buddy. Really. In that same interview with Edmund Kemper, he called Herbert, quote, a kindred spirit there due to similar pasts of being institutionalized. Okay. Because they're both institutionalized at a young age. Mm Mm-hmm. According to Edmund Kemper, 
He would use his own experiences as a killer, such as shooting bottles and cans, imagining they were people, and the way the bodies of their respective victims would react in their final moments, to talk to and get in Mullen's head. He said, quote, Herbie, I know what happened. Don't give me that bullshit about earthquakes, and don't give me that crap about what God was telling you. I say you couldn't even be talking to me now if God was talking to you because of the pressure I'm putting on you right now. These little shocking insights into what you did. God would start talking you, sorry, God would start talking to you right now if you were that kind of ill because I grew up with people like that. End quote. Who's he to tell him he, what the hell? He thinks, no. I mean. You are not above him. You both killed people. You guys are both the same amount of pieces of shit the same amount of pieces of shit sorry but no i think the fuck not so herbert mullen is still alive and institutionalized to this day i hope he never gets out i hope so he doesn't Not hope so it. i hope also that he doesn't get out yeah we knew what you meant <laughs> yeah but anyway that's that's the end of this roller coaster of a ride that was herbert william mullen that was interesting Mm-hmm. I saw. I'm sorry I bar- bombarded you guys with two serial killers this month, but um, I they were I related, felt they though. needed to be done together. Yeah. So um, next time I do true crime, I'll I'll focus more on the victims, do okay. cases on victims, and not not so much killers. Got you. But anyway, I hope you guys enjoyed. Go subscribe to our Patreon. Mm-hmm. link in show notes if you haven't already go listen to michelle's episode that was uploaded on wednesday yes it's good we're doing short scary stories short scary stories so well, we you... did short scary stories we always record kirsten's episode first people <laughs> so we're always back and forth that's just whatever they anyways knew, <laughs> they knew what we meant yeah <laughs> anyways um don't forget next week there will be no episodes Yep, but we're going back, camping, so... Come back the following week because we will have stuff for you. Yep, and that's it. We'll talk to you guys in a couple weeks. See ya. Bye. Bye.